Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott and Tommy Corbins. I'm like Pete Southtown, Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind, but I'm better off by my tongue. I'm a bad show at the wrong time. Still, I'm a legend of my own mind. I'm good for the song, but I'm not for Welcome to another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Wally. And today, I am so excited to have on a 30-year-old from Chelmsford, England, a staple of the Chelmsford Tomahawks, as a boy in the World Juniors, was a bronze medalist in the World Juniors for Great Britain, as a man, a two-time silver medalist with Great Britain in the World Championships. Best known for his professional career, though, however, with the Cardiff Devils, where he's laced up for 451 regular season games, winning two Challenge Cups, two playoff championships, and two league titles. And he is starting his 10th season with the Cardiff Devils. And I'm pretty sure in the UK, if you play 10 seasons on a team, something happens. I'm not sure what it is. Welcome to the podcast, Josh Batch. Thanks for having me. That's quite the introduction. Head's feeling pretty big at the minute, but well, I tell you, you deserve it. You've, uh, you know, there's actually not many players in professional hockey that play ten seasons with any team anywhere, right? Yeah, yeah, I've been lucky. I haven't had to play too many minutes over the years, so uh, haven't been too hard on the body. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. Well, the other thing is, is the coaches need to like you. They need to know what you bring to the table, and uh, you've now. This will be like your kind of like your third era of the Cardiff Devils, eh? Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you spoke to a few of the other guys about the uh, the old times and then the transition to the newer times with Lordo. And then obviously now Lordo's moved on and it's uh, a lot of new faces around the team, new coach and everything. So, yeah, it's exciting to see uh, how this, this era is going to go, I guess you could say. You'd probably be ready for some new practices and new stuff, eh? After how many years was it with Lord? Like five or six? Yeah, it must have been, yeah, five or six. I'm not, my memory's not the best at times, but um, yeah, about, it's got to be five or six years, I think. Well, how I get into this is um, how we know each other, which is obviously we played together the first year of the new era of the Cardiff Devils with Lordo and Todd as the owners. And I've talked about that numerous times um but we won the challenge cup and then uh that was when i used to play then you saw me do a lot of pregame speeches over my injured time eh? yeah <laughs> and last time line. i would have seen you was wally night but we've covered that too but um i guess uh richie being named captain i wanted to talk about because obviously the coat new coach has good taste in, in men eh? oh yeah definitely yeah, I think Richie was a, a fairly obvious choice. He's obviously been good at the Devils uh, longer than anyone. Um, and like like you know, he's just a perfect human. He does everything yeah. right on and off the ice, never makes a mistake. Um, 
all the guys love him. So yeah, it's a natural, natural choice for captain. He could probably be there another 10 years the way the kind of shape he keeps himself in as well. So um, yeah, I think it's a great choice. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how is, how's it been going so far with all the new boys as who's the new clown <clears throat> of the team? Is there a real jokester in the room? Um, well, Sam Duggan, he was obviously, he's been on the team a couple of years now. He's, he's quite the, uh, the jokester, I would say. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think who else of the new guys. There's obviously still like the bed and in period. The guys were still a bit like a bit shy around each other. I'm, so, I'm sure. And like, it'll take a, a couple mu- months, a eh, months until, yeah. uh, until like people are completely comfortable in their own skin in the locker room. Eh? <laughs> yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah, I'm sure that the characters will come out soon enough, but, um, they all seem like a good, good group of boys so far. Just yeah. unfortunately haven't been around in the last week because, um, and I'm sure we'll touch on I'm isolating due to the COVID protocols, which is a shame. Um, well, that's what we'll get into then right now is where and what are you doing now? Uh, yeah, so I, I failed a COVID test um, at the start of this week, um, followed up with a, one of the PCR tests by the NHS. And because um, I didn't really have any symptoms, my isolation period starts from the day of the failed test. And um, so that takes me to Saturday. So, so I'm, I'm do in. you do another test to see if it was a, like a false positive or no? Uh, well, I did, I did two lateral flows, like the ones you do. I did one at home, uh, a couple at the rink as well. And then when they failed, I followed up with a, a PCR test with like a NHS site. So you, you were um, positive. For, so you have, you, you got her then. You, you, all of them yeah. failed and then so you feel fine though yeah like i kind of had a bit of a cold cold like symptoms but like nothing nothing serious really um I mean, if i did, if i didn't fail the test i probably wouldn't even know that i had it to be honest right um but yeah it's obviously a shame missing the two chl games last week and then i can't travel this week either so missing four for the first four real games this year which is a shame yeah, that sucks. And so you missed the game last weekend where the Devils upset Lausanne and beat a Swiss A team at home. Yeah, that, yeah, that was a big, that was a tough one to miss. Knowing just knowing like the feeling in the room afterwards and how the building would have been, that was a shame. But I'm sure we'll have a few more wins this year, hopefully. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, um, well, I got to say the pod's exciting news for the day was that that weekend there where the Devils were back. My one of my first ever sponsors with Todd's episode and uh, the goats update was Naya Security, and um, they uh, yeah. they they sponsored me to try and get back in with the Devils, and um, and they ended up get, making a deal with the Devils, and they are now the security team again for the Devils games, and uh, and they were so happy about it all. Um, they FaceTimed me and the family at the game. And, uh, oh, really? yeah, so, uh, it was pretty cool. I don't know if the pod had anything to do with them getting the deal, but, um, that I had ha- my first sponsors were happy. Uh, that really, that it was pretty cool for the pod that, uh, I was a part of something like that. Yeah. you like the, uh, the remote business development manager. Yeah. Yeah basically do a pro bono though usually <laughs> yeah 
So it sounds like you're earning your one point five percent stake in the devil's eyes. It was supposed to be about. supposed to be two point three percent, but no, no, things have gone cold there. They won't even hit retweet, Josh. <laughs> I'm going to send this out there, episode. and they're just going to let it pass by. They're not even going to hit retweet. I guarantee it. Now it's like a uh-huh. game for them. Now they're just playing hard to get. Yeah, oh, everyone loves to chase. I guess so. Going to make you keep chasing them. Well, now now the clan and the Steelers have retweeted my episodes. So just saying, Devils, you know, it's only hitting a button. Right, Josh? Yeah, that's it. I'll, um, I'll try and push for my end for you. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so then uh, what are all the protocols for COVID then? Since we were talking about that, I don't want to skip over it. What all do you guys have to do now to play hockey? Um. So from a testing perspective, if you if you fail a test, it's uh, ten days isolation from the from the failed test date or from when you showed symptoms. Um, I didn't show any symptoms, so it got, for me it goes from the test date, and then um, because everyone on teams double vaccinated, they don't have to isolate unless unless they fail a test. So, like even even my partner Natasha, she doesn't have. Because she's double vaccinated, she doesn't have to isolate either. Um, but yeah, so we've, we've been doing tests at home, and she's still passing tests, which is strange, uh, even though like we're in the same house and stuff. But huh. yeah, weird strange. stuff. Okay, um, yeah. I was just curious about that. So this may uh, get into that your your partner Tasha there, but um, random question: Do you recall Operation Forty One? Yes, I do, unfortunately. <laughs> any any insight to the listeners what that is? I don't know what that is. It depends what sort of audience you want to cater to, really. <laughs> okay. No, I just uh, yeah, no, I heard uh actually Tasha, your your gal now, she is probably one of the funniest girls I've ever met. I remember her being on um the team bus back from I don't know what it was, maybe winning the challenge cup. And uh, yeah, that girl can banter with the best of them. Yeah, she's uh, she's like she can give it and take it as good as anyone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's a good laugh. Yeah. Um, so where do you guys live now? Where are you in Cardiff? Yeah. So since um, since Tash moved here to like live with me during, I think it was the first the first season that we were together. She ended up getting a job, so um, we decided to stay a year round, um, and now. We've been we moved we've got a house together pretty much three years ago. It's kind of we're kind of like in the northeast part of Cardiff. Um Pumper and I. It's like as just off the M4 as you go to Newport kind of thing. Okay. I wish I still remembered then, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, you I don't think it's a sort it's a part of Cardiff you wouldn't really come to. There's not really much here really. It's mostly just housing and, and Asda. Right. Um, um yeah, nice little spot. Well, that's good that you so you own that place. Yeah, live on the same road as Ben Davis and Joe Myers. Oh, really? Some devils there, yeah. eh? Yeah. yeah, little community we got going. So Ben Davies is uh, he's back on the Devils too, eh? Yep, he's back. He, the, he's, uh, he's a good player. I always uh, liked him as a Brit in the league. Yeah, he's one of those players you hate to play against. We always, we always give him a lot of stick because it. Well, I think a lot of players, a lot of people on our team think he dives, 
but like if you, if you know Ben, you know he just falls over a lot. Like we've been on the ice in the summers, and he'll he'll be down one end by himself shooting pucks, and you'll just hear like a collision, and he just fell over by himself, just standing still shooting pucks somehow. So he's just not the not the best on his skates, but uh, funny to watch. So he's like the new Mizey that falls down a lot. Oh yeah, if you if you we were watching games of GB, and he's you can always count on them falling over at least once a shift. um and okay other thing for where what you do it now though is i i've seen because i went one of the reasons we knew each other which i never mentioned is uh we both went to cardiff met you were doing your undergrad i was doing the mba but uh i just saw you finished some schooling and you're kind of you've you've prepared yourself for life after hockey eh? yeah i think i held the record for the longest a lot most time taken to complete an undergraduate degree i think it's, i was i was part-time over about six years which isn't much to brag about but yeah well, you're kind of busy with hockey and everything yeah well i think i first couple of years i was probably dragging my feet a bit just kind of getting used to pro hockey and stuff but then kind of uh picked up towards the end but yeah it was a uh, like like you say as well, i was so lucky to have that covered by the team um really sets you up for a later life weren't you doing financial planning or something is that what you just got went through for yeah so i'm working uh the company that sponsored the team actually niche uh independent financial advisors a little plug for them um, there you go uh yeah i started working there god what well, was probably i think it was january of so it would have been 2019 because it was I, I went full-time during lockdowns so in, in March of last year I, bit, I was there full-time until recently when we started back with hockey but so now what's the schedule you, you still work there part-time or not at all yeah so I've gone down to like 16 hours a week so it's kind of like four afternoons a week or, yeah. or whatever whatever I can sit well, around that- hockey yeah, even if you got your foot in the door now and it'll make the transition after way easier because I know it's hard for a lot of dudes. Yeah, definitely. I think it, I'm sure you're aware, like when you, especially now I'm 30, I'm getting on a bit, you kind of get to the end of your career and I'm sure if you've got kids and stuff even more so, but you kind of think like, wow, I'm, I'm like middle, you feel middle age and you feel like you have no experience in the real world and you kind of, I know, like I, I always used to kind of think about what I'll do after hockey. So I'm lucky that Niche have been really uh, flexible with my work and stuff around hockey. Oh, that's awesome um, that they've done that yeah. for you. Yeah, sounds like you're here yeah. in with a good company. Um, okay. Um, well, speaking of feeling old, is uh, last <laughs> night I got down for pickleball just briefly with the boys, and uh, we had eight middle-aged men out for pickleball and. Um, in doubles, I went 0-3. So um, I had a tough night on the pickleball courts last night, Batchy. And uh, that's with men aged, I guess it was 20 to about 50-something. And I, I couldn't even grease out a win last night. You're basically a spring chicken in that that group, then. Well, yeah, I, I usually <laughs> dominate the pickleball courts, but last night wasn't my night. What is pickleball? I don't think I've ever heard of it. Really? It's kind of like, it's like standing up, running around on a tennis court, like you're playing ping pong, but like the ball bounces off the ground and then like you can, you hit it with a paddle and like you can put spin on and stuff, kind of like you're playing ping pong, but you're playing on a tennis court. Oh, really? I've never heard of that. 
Yeah, it's actually really fun. That's my new sport now. That's how. That's what I do. Yeah, but that's a good ex- good bit of exercise. Singles is too much for me at this age. I'm more of a doubles player. <laughs> <laughs> Mixed doubles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. It's you. It's usually the guys in the neighborhood go down um, Tuesday nights. You know, get some exercise. <laughs> yeah. Unless you got get a podcast. <laughs> Yeah, unless you got a podcast. Um, anyways, moving on, then we better get into your career here. Um, I don't other that. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, how do you get into hockey growing up in Chelmsford, England? Oh, it was um, no family connections or anything. I just, literally just we were watching. I think I was seven at the time watching BBC or ITV and the Mighty Ducks film was on. Good fleck. Yeah, I mean, when you're when you're seven, it seems like obviously now you look back and it's you laugh at the the action scenes, but back then you're watching and you're like, wow, this is amazing. Um, yeah, I just said to my dad, Dad, I want to I want to do that, and he was like, he never, I don't think he's ever even been to an ice rink before. He's like, you know, you can't do that. Like we live in England, you can't play hockey here. But yeah, he looked into it, and there was the rink in Chelsea was like ten or fifteen minutes away, so. He took me there like one Saturday. He couldn't skate. I couldn't skate. So he's walking around in his like still toe cap work boots, like holding my hand. <laughs> and the uh, like the the attendant comes up. She's like, "What are you doing? You can't you can't like walk around in boots on the ice rink." And my dad's like, "Well, I can't skate. I'm not gonna let him walk around, skate around, and like crack his head open if he falls over." Um, we're like, "Well, you have to get lessons or something." So I had lessons with the. Uh, whoever it was a figure skater I think and then from there just started the junior program and yeah just haven't stopped since really I think that was eight when I started with the juniors uh that just Luckily, it was a pretty good program in Chelmsford it, it made me think of uh you out on the the first day skating there it made me think of the big blue Ted and all those those penguins and all the kids that would be oh, skating yeah. around with the penguins what a melee it would be out there there would be oh. kids everywhere and like you would think kids are gonna crack their head open because nobody knew how to skate <laughs> oh no it's just like running on ice yeah that, <laughs> i don't think they had those back in 1998 <laughs> yeah you were probably <laughs> just pushing around the chair yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, was your old there, man really. not a boxer? Yeah, he was. He, he didn't really do any too much sport growing up. Um, then he was. I think he was boxing before he had kids. Kind of like as an amateur. I think he. Then he when when we were still younger, he was still boxing amateur. Like I think he won a few kind of titles around like the southeast of England and stuff. Um, I think he had the option to turn professional, but I don't think my mum really wanted it. So after that, he started playing rugby for the for a local team. Jeez, I don't think she was a big fan of the uh, the boxing, what we're having kids and stuff. So yeah, he, went, he started playing rugby and ended up just having fights in the rugby pitch instead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say uh, rugby doesn't sound that much more safe, but um, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I I know once I had kids, I wasn't joining any boxing leagues or um, rugby leagues. So I'm in pickleball. Pickleball, right? Yeah. Maybe that's what he should have done. His body's a bit... um, He's turned 60 now. His body's paying paying the price, I think. He's got a few bad bad shoulders, bad back, but... Well, if you can find hockey in Chelmsford, I'm sure you can find pickleball. (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll run that by him and see what he says. Easier on the body. 
<laughs> so how many kids would be playing hockey in uh in in chelmsford um we had enough for for like i think one just like one team in every age group really yeah so it's pretty much if, if you wanted to play i think you're pretty much on the team um i think kind of as i was getting towards like 16 17 18 when the the program was getting it was quite like a well-known program i think kids would come from other clubs and stuff i think they then had enough to run two teams but um yeah i mean it wasn't it wasn't a huge number of people but right we uh we made do um okay next question then is uh you do do that growing up and you all i saw you also play for i think it's like what is it southeast or south southeast england yeah that's it so is that like the all-star team then of uh the kids from that area of england then i guess yeah so every year there's a they have the conference tournament it used to be in hull i think it's in sheffield now and they have um there's a team from like the southeast southwest uh midlands northern and then scotland they all play against each other and i think there's a I'm not sure of the format. I think there's kind of a final and stuff. And uh, from that tournament, they then pick the national teams for under under 13s, 15s, and 17s. Or I think they, it's they, changed now. I was going to say, they make a Team GB for teams that young. Yeah, so it used, when I was that age, it used, used, used to be England. And you'd, you'd go away to a tournament, usually like under 13s and 15s, went to the Quebec tournament. Oh, that'd be fun. Did yeah. you go to that? Yeah, obviously, yeah, I need the 13s because it's a peewee tournament, isn't it? But yeah, we every uh, team goes, the England team. Um, but yeah, now I think it's a GB team, so I'm, I'm guessing they go instead. But yeah, the, that was a really cool tournament to go to in Quebec. Yeah, yeah, I should have played there. Long story. But anyways, um, the part I wanted to know about is... Uh, you made the decision somehow. So you must be doing pretty good at hockey um, in England because you make the decision to go to the California Titans in 2009-10. How do you make that decision as like a kid and as a family that you go to California? Yeah, so actually for some reason, um, I actually left a year before that. I left, okay. I left when I was 16. So I finished my, you have your GCSEs over here at 16. What's that? A school like your, test? Yeah, so that's kind of like your here you go to school till sixteen, then you go to college until eighteen, and then university. But yeah, so I did my um did my GCSEs, and then there was a guy who did a hockey camp in Chelmsford, and he also he also ran like a a showcase in Chicago. You know where like you go play on a random team of like other players and scouts are there from different clubs. Yeah, I never, I, those, that's the thing in the States. We don't really have them in Canada that much, I don't think, but, yeah. um, so you win. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So me and there's me, my friend, uh, Danny, and then another guy from, um, from England as well. We all went over there and, um, Danny and my other friend ended up going to Columbus and I went to a team in Colorado my first year. You went to Colorado your first year. So you went to a showcase yeah. and then got picked up by a team or did, were you recruited by that team? Yeah, I think just were like they kind of expressed an interest, and then we went there. It wasn't like a scholarship or anything that like we had to. Pay. It was a pay-to-play AAA thing, but right. Um, so you're you and your parents were okay with you leaving home to go over there to play minor hockey. 
Yeah, I think at, at the time they kind of like sold us the dream, like, you know, your, your son has a chance to go to the NHL and like all this kind of stuff. And obviously at, at that age, it was like my dream to go to America and try and get a scholarship and all that kind of thing as well. Yeah, so, no, um, yeah, that would be, uh, it would be a pretty big day as a 16 year old to be leaving um, your home, your home country to fly over. And uh, I guess they put you up with some billets then or what? Yeah, yeah, that was it. I lived with a great family called the Winklers. Shout uh, out to the Winkies. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, um, I haven't been back since I left, which is a shame. I do want to go out there someday, but but yeah, it was um, at the time I didn't really think much of it. You know, just as a kid chasing his dreams. But I I can imagine how hard it was for my parents flying there and having to leave me and fly back. You know, but yeah, yeah. um, At sixteen, that's that's still pretty young to be doing that sort of stuff in my eyes <laughs> yeah yeah i know but they were um obviously I, they, the family was so nice i think they felt comfortable me staying with them and all that kind of stuff so that helped but um so that's in colorado yeah. so then do you start doing school or in the u.s yeah so i did uh did two years of high school as well which was a uh, funny like being from england you see the programs of like the football team with their uh, the jack leather jackets on and all the different like clicks and then it was pretty cool to go over there and see all that stuff and <laughs> go to the the Friday night football games and experience all that stuff. It was good fun. Just like in the movies, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So you were in Colorado and then you go to California. How why do you switch? Uh just had a there was a I'm trying to think actually. I think it was a guy who was coaching in Colorado at the same team was then coaching in California. So like a few of us had went out there. So I think it was me and three other guys who were on the team in Colorado went out there. Okay. To the SoCal Titans. The SoCal Titans and the Bay State Breakers. Those are the oh, two teams enough. that's got you down on. Yeah, the Bay State Breakers is a, another story. <laughs> why give it to me that's what we're here for well yeah so uh, after my last year of midgets under 18s i uh i attended to play for a team in the north american hockey league which is like tier two junior a in, in the states yeah um went to their camp in whenever it was like the end of summer but i didn't really didn't have much chance to skate when i was home in england so went out there like not in the best shape like hadn't been on the ice much and just got destroyed basically in the tryout so i didn't didn't make that team (laughs) and um there was a coach there knew someone in bay state which was kind of like uh just outside of boston so me me and my dad drove from detroit which is where the north american hockey league team was drove like up through canada over to boston and um went to this team and when we arrived there they said they already had the two imports on their junior a team so then i was uh stuck on the junior b team it was was the empire junior hockey league yeah uh, well one thing i would say your old man came over then drove you from there to there and then they are full with imports anyways but it's safe to say your old man has supported your hockey endeavors eh oh yeah definitely like I don't think you really appreciate it so much at the time, but looking back now and kind of being 
having grown up responsibilities yeah you can't you look back and just really thankful for everything your parents have done throughout throughout your career to get get you where you are yeah yeah it takes a lot for them okay well so you're playing for the junior b team i don't know what the level's like around there for that but um you are on gb's radar and you make the world junior team um while you're playing in the states eh yeah so i think i went back around christmas times so i think that's when the tournament was we were in belarus um with gb there it was a we had a good team it was like me ben davis um Bounzy, um who else farmer was on the team we had quite a good age group so we um we were out there for that and you um, i said that your age group is that all those guys so you're 30 years old what are you, what year were you born 91 91's a good year for the brits eh yeah, there's a, um, we, had, we had a pretty good team. There, there was a lot. I'm sure it's the same in every age group. There are so many players who like were way better than me and that kind of thing. But the opportunities just aren't really there in the UK. They kind of fizzle out and they just kind of go into the real world, which is a shame. But yeah, we did have a really good age group, I think. Um, I think they might have got relegated the year after we left, to be honest. <laughs> um no that's yeah i guess there's always the relegation moving up and down but you won what silver medalist when you played did i write down or bronze you were bronze medalist. bronze, bronze i think for under 20s yeah it was um i think we relied on bouncy every game which probably had like 50 shots a game but is he a yeah, 91 too yeah bouncy is not... did he have the tramp stamp back in the world juniors that was probably later <laughs> yeah a few years after but um he got that from there when he held the torch for the Olympics. Right. Yeah, there was a torch on there or something. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and like a butterfly yeah. or something. I forget what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you guys, have, he's done well for himself, eh? And one thing I had written down, I'll bring it up now, is like the special relationship the Brits have in that league and like – you guys all like root for each other. Even when you're on different teams, you all want to see each other do well. And then when guys leave to become Brits, um, like you, I always see it on like social media and stuff. You guys always have each other's back. It's not like uh, Canadian players or American players that are all in it. Like once you get to pro, they're all in it for themselves. The Brits have a whole different relationship, don't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a bit. Obviously, over here, it's a bit different to North America, where in North America, it's kind of like, um, what do you call it? Kind of like a meat factory. You know, they can just churn, churn through players. And I think you kind of have to be a bit selfish over there. Whereas over here, there's not, there's not kind of a limited supply of Brits, isn't there? And we all grow up playing with each other. And then on like the national team and stuff, everyone everyone knows each other through that as well. So, uh, yeah, there's quite a, quite a strong bond between all the British players. Um like you say, and like, like for Bounzi, for example, when he goes abroad, everyone everyone wants to see him do well um, and fly the flag for the country. Same with Liam Kirk, you know, he's he's paving a way for the the next generation, hopefully, with what he's doing. So, um, yeah, I think every everyone does support each other quite well. It's, I guess it's very similar that way as it is like when an EIHL team goes in the Champions League and wins a game, right? It doesn't matter if it's Sheffield, Cardiff, Belfast, everybody in the league like celebrates it because it legitimizes the league the same as Brits going abroad and doing well as imports. And then 
what you guys have done in the world championships just legitimizes the league and the players, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I noticed, noticed after the game against Laozan, there was, I saw, I think pretty much every team in the league t- tweet something saying congratulations. Like even, even Sheffield, who like we have a massive rivalry with. So big, yeah, think, big like, supporters say, of the pod though. They'll hit retweet, <laughs> Josh. They'll hit retweet. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, um, yeah, I think like you say, the, the league probably doesn't have the best reputation in, among some other some other circles in hockey. So I think the, the kind of results in the CHL, like when when Nottingham got through to the second round and stuff, I think it just. Um, just it's it's well cool, league, right? Really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's great. But okay, we were in World Juniors. Where was that tournament? Where did you play it and win the the bronze medal? That was it was in Belarus. It it wasn't in Minsk, though. I don't believe it was. It was a different town. Um, it was it wasn't a whole lot there. It was just kind of they had the the rink like big arena. Sorry, not it wasn't in a rink. Is that um, your first time playing for GB? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I I went to the trials or tryouts, as you would say, um, for like the for the under eighteen team, but I didn't make that for for whatever reason. Um. I think because I was in the US as well, so I maybe didn't attend some of the some of the the tryouts. Um, but yeah, I made the under twenty team in my in my what do you call it like the age group because you can play. Yeah, so I, you can play when you're younger, obviously. But I made it in like my final year of eligibility, um, which was good. And but so, yeah, you, it was a, um, okay, so you were playing junior B that year. Then you make the World Juniors. So then. I got it written down here now that you, you now you move back to the UK and sign with the Cardiff Devils for the very first time, right? So um, how does yeah. that all happen? Um, and why Cardiff when you're in the States and uh, doing under 20 World Juniors? How do you end up with Cardiff? So after the World Juniors, I went back to Boston to finish the season there, but I caught glandular fever. Say what now? I was, so I went back to Boston after the World Championships um, after Christmas at some time, and I uh, caught glandular fever. Glandular fever. I think you call it like the kissing disease. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Was it bad? Yeah. <laughs> Were you kissing I'm think, girls? I'm, I'm trying to think. I think there's a different name. But, uh, I think you call it mono, maybe. Mono. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the kissing one. Mono. That's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it was weird. So I like wasn't feeling well. Um, I remember I went to the doctor, got got some sort of medication before they knew what it was, and like my whole my skin all over my body came out, and like it wasn't a rash, but it was my whole skin was like discolored kind of looked like a rash but it wasn't raised or anything and then they realized oh, okay it must be something else they tested for that and um i think because of your your spleen can enlarge if you have it so you're, you're not able to do any physical sports for like three months so that was pretty much the end of the season so once i recovered i just went home and finished the summer in england um and at that point i kind of realized i, I think i was twin I turned 20 that year, uh, kind of realized, yeah, college isn't going to happen for me. So kind of thought I'd try and try and see if I could try pay the path back to the UK and try and make some sort of money rather than 
having to rely on my parents any any longer. Um, luckily, I knew I knew like I knew Ben Davis and another guy, Sam Smith, who played for the Devils at the time. Um, they spoke to Franny, and I came down for a, a little tryout. It, it was more of a, a three-on-three full-eye session, <laughs> so I was pretty gassed. Didn't feel too good about myself, but they were. There was another guy who just left, who was a defenseman, so they were happy to sign me for that that first year. So Franny's then, the one making those decisions back then. Was he the one like deciding what players they take? Um, I don't. I think he was probably working. The coach back then was Jared Adams. He was. I think Franny was the only one who was at that session. Um, I imagine he consulted with G about it, and then uh, I think it was just lucky that they were looking for a, a British defenseman at the time. So at and that point, you had no nothing. ties. At that point, you have no ties to the Cardiff Devils. It's just that's how it happens is you just kind of went for a tryout and ended up with Cardiff. Yeah, that's it. I am, um, like I said, I just knew one of the guys and they kind of got in touch with the team for me. Okay. Um, and that's back when it was different ownership. You're in the big blue tent, but uh, that would be the same year that uh, former Potter Frank the Tank was on the team, right? Yeah, Chris Frank. Yeah, he was. Um... He lived just down the road from us in Heath. I remember he was in the house with um, Jeff Pierce and Scott Dobbin, I believe. I know both of those guys. Jeff Pierce, Western Michigan. Scott Dobbin, yep. former Sugar King with me and Junior B before he went to the OHL. Oh, really? Yeah, they're all both my former teammates. So I guess that whole house was. Where did you play with uh, Chris? Uh, Frank the Tank was Western Michigan. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was just like a couple episodes ago. He's oh, I listened to him, yeah. Yeah, it was a good one. I try. I talked about trying to break his testicle one time. That was when I was playing for <laughs> Cardiff because I knew he didn't wear a jock. It was a good time. Um, yeah, he uh, he taught me a few a few tricks of a trade when I was a a young a young rookie. Do you wear a green. jock? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay. I will. Now that I'm back in the game here and I brought that up the one time someone was telling me that there's at least a handful of guys on every team, not wearing jocks. Now it's like a new thing so they can skate better or something. I went through a phase when I was like in like youth hockey or like under 18s. I think I I didn't wear one, but is that right? I, it never even crossed my mind because I know how much it hurts to get hit in the nuts. Like why would you ever risk that? I remember taking a slap shot right off the cup once in college Oof. and I laid on the ice, like holding my tally whacker because it hurt so much. And I couldn't imagine not having a cup. Like, I don't know what these people are thinking. Yeah. I was probably playing hockey in the UK. There probably wasn't a lot of shot blocking going on. <laughs> Gosh, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, would, I would never not do it now. Well, that's you, you got to be. Yeah. Well, it doesn't make any sense to not wear a jock, folks. But, um, yeah, so I know Frank the Tank. So what was the adjustment like your rookie year and all of a sudden you're in pro after playing like Junior B in the States? Yeah, it was uh, – I, I was lucky, really, obviously. Um, the, the league was a lot different back then. I don't think it was this kind of standard it is now. Um, every team kind of went three lines and five or six D. So, um probably got, I think we had a lot of injuries and all that kind of stuff. So ended up playing more than I probably should have. Um, but um, yeah, it was, I was kind of playing forward, I think, when in, in America my last couple of years. So and that, that's one thing we haven't, we haven't really touched on that is you do uh, 
flip flop mm-hmm. back and forth. Hey, eh? you are forward and a D. So that happened at a young age. You started doing that. Yeah. So I was always a D growing up. Uh, we like rush the puck and stuff, but never really had much of a score in touch. <laughs> but um, yeah, that could, then in America, I played. I think my last two years as a forward. I'm not sure why. I don't know if I just wasn't really cutting it as a defenseman. Maybe I remember. Would Lordo not start you on like first line wing to start games? <laughs> he did. I remember he'd done it once against Coventry and he was like, whatever you do, just like don't get a penalty. <laughs> and I um, got dumped into like the, my corner on the four check. So like just the, just the meathead I am just like skating 100 mile an hour trying to get it, try and like bump the D-man, but he just like, Flies into the boards head first, boarding penalty, two minute minor, straight in the box. Tough start. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if we, not sure if we ever did that one again, but it was, uh, it was nice to get the confidence in me to do it. Um, yeah, so I got sidetracked again, but uh, basically, um, I find it interesting that they're actually like you say there is a lot of Brits that end up in the real world and uh, and don't you know continue the journey but i find it really weird that there are as many good brits as there are because when you talk about the minor hockey it sounds like it's very rare that kids are getting into hockey but that you guys have that many guys that can play in the eihl and play well in that league like i think it uh is strange that there's that many but do you think it's like when you get to pro you get a lot better when you get around um that league like do you think like when you're that age and you're 20 years old if you're still playing junior b in the states you're not improving like you are playing for the cardiff devils oh no no chance i think if you were to compare like the, the obviously not not being disrespectful to my teammates in america but going from playing with junior b or even like midget triple a players to then coming to the devils and i've got um like chris frank obviously is like he'd been pro for quite a while we had um Voth and Brad Brad Voth, Stu McCray, um who else read it? Scott Matska. Obviously he was a, a great player. Um yeah, it's just having all those kind of people around um was like for me it was just like felt really out of place, but it was obviously just a great learning experience um to be around those guys every day and kind of see the professionalism that they had versus where I came from. And I think that's kind of the reason we have a lot of British players be, do as well as they do, just from being around like the uh, the experienced guys from North America and Europe. Yeah, I find it would probably be your first few years of pro, right? When you first get around it, because like I think you do need to you need to be around guys that push you and make you better. Like it was like when I left junior B to go to college, it's a whole eye opener. And then you go from there to pro, you have it again. And like, if you don't make those steps, you get, you, you you don't improve like you should until you put yourself in uncomfortable situations, right? Like uh, starting podcasts at (laughs) 6am. Yeah. I think that's absolutely it. Um, Especially in this country, if you should grow up and you're one of the better players, uh, there's not really a lot of competition. There's not really much to push you. So I think you kind of see, like we throughout like the junior hockey, if the players kind of, as they get older, the gap widens between like, say, our best players in North America or Europe. Um, so I think like a lot, what you, a lot of young kids do now, they kind of go abroad and, and play in 
playing other countries. And I think that just kind of helps develop them. I know Josh Roll, who signed for Cardiff this year, he played in Czech um, for a few years before he came back to Guildford. Um, and you can just see like in his skate and it's just at a level where it probably where it might not have been if he were just to stay in the UK and kind of not be exposed to that higher level. Well, there's got to be some people around the hockey world then helping these Brits get in, right? Like how, like to think that kid, how does he get in with a Czech team, right? Like it just, somebody's helping them get there, right? Yeah, I think it might be, I know there's obviously a few coaches in the UK who are, who are born in Europe or born in Canada who kind of have those connections. Um, and can vouch for a player. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think there's a few ex, ex players of the elite league are coaching in the OHL and that, those kind of leagues. And I think that those sort of connections are kind of what help. Um, there was another, another kid from Sheffield just been drafted to the OHL. I'm not sure if that was through a connection or not, but yeah, it always helps to kind of have that connection when you come from a, well, it helps anywhere in hockey, right? Like it helps yeah, but, anywhere. When you get to pro, if you know coaches and they they tell other coaches about you, it uh, changes yeah, your definitely. career. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Especially um, when you come from a country like the UK, which people probably don't really know much about. Yeah, yeah. No, but the people are starting to know about the UK hockey scene with like GB doing well in the world championships. Like Bouncy's on yeah. TSN all the time, man. I know, it's superstar. <laughs> Yeah, if everybody just knew about his tramp stamp. Um, He'd be even more famous. Wouldn't he? Like, yeah. people like that stuff. They like to get to know the players. That's all. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Too much, too much of sports is, uh, I'm not sure what the word is, but too, everyone's too polished nowadays, aren't they? Just say, you uh, need a little character, right? A little, you know? Yeah. A little personality. Everyone's just reeling off the, uh, the textbook company lines and yeah. not really... Get the red line, get it deep, work hard, block shots, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, so you probably start getting a little more comfortable by the end of the year. You said you, were, you only had like three lines. I remember back in the UK, it was kind of changing when I first got there. Teams were going from basically having just enough players um, to get by to like by the time I left the second year, like teams were looking at getting four lines and all that, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, my first few years, we'd, we'd sign like whatever the import limit was at the time, whether it was 12 or 13, 14. And then if you got injuries, you would just have to play short um, or give a, one of the young guys more ice time. Whereas I think, I'm not sure if, if the first year we did, but in a couple of seasons gone by, we have an extra import now and um, kind of... You, you have guys competing for spots, which is obviously good for the standard in the league and and all that. But yeah, that didn't really that wasn't really the case back in like 2012, 2013. It was kind of you signed your your three lines and 60, and then if you got injuries, you played short. And yeah. then if you got any more injuries, you played, you played even shorter. Played really short. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so well, that's good. You got ice time and got in there because like. I know like when those teams started filling up and uh, it's like guys like you talk about like Jonesy, um, like he was a really good player and he never really got a lot of opportunity to show what he could do in the EIHL. And he's the type of kid that like, if he's getting more minutes and playing more, I, you know, maybe he's still playing in the EIHL these days. Right. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, kind of the problem with uh with the league being a big trophy here you can't a coach can't really they don't want to mix guys in yeah 
Yeah, because I mean, every point counts, whether it's whether you're playing Edinburgh on a Tuesday night or you're playing Sheffield on a Sunday, it doesn't really, the They're two the points are count the same. So like for a coach to take a chance on someone it, at the end of the day, it could affect his job if, if a team doesn't get it done or whatever. So it is a shame. It would be good if there was kind of a, a league between the Elite League and the current NIHL. Um, to be more of like a developing group. Like there used to be, right? Yeah, like I think a lot of the, the current, kind of the older crop of GB players, when the, the Super League was around, which was like an all-import league, there was a, a league, I think it was, they, um, the, I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, I've just got something pop up on my screen. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. It was like the Heineken league back in the day and a few other leagues that had like six or eight imports um which obviously then there was still the opportunity to learn from the uh the experienced players but then they also needed the british players to fill in on the power play and all that kind of stuff so that was kind of like the best of both worlds i think in terms of development um it is it is a thin line eh like between having the what product you want on the ice and also having it healthy for Brits to be able to develop and uh, get power play time, like, or penalty kill time. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can't really blame the owners at the end of the day because it's just a business for them. It's not really their job to develop players. No, and people want to win. Think about if you lose that game and what all the fans are going to (laughs) say. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously everyone, everyone wants the, the British player to get the opportunity and develop, but, um, as a business owner, I don't think they can really, you know, they, they, their priority is a business, unfortunately. Um, it's just the way it is. So for them, they're going to want to put on the best product they can. Um, but yeah, I think if there was like an intermediate league with kind of six to eight imports, uh, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a cool. Good, a great league for development, but it just comes down to, uh, I guess, finances and having the teams available to do it. Yeah, finances and like the rinks and fans, right? Um, and yeah. uh, someone to put up the money to get her going. But um, okay, first year's over. We're moving on to the second year. And um, you, this, so you, you were just a junior player. Then you play one year pro. Not or you said you live just down the road from Frank the Tank. But your second year, you live with former Potter. Episode fourteen deeds, um, yeah. and. Uh, I, I, I'm also another potter in Paul Bizanet, eh? Yep. Not a potter on my show. He has his own show, folks. You might have heard of it. Yeah, yeah that was um, it was a, that was a fun year, definitely. Um, obviously, Biz wasn't there at the start. It was me, me, Deeds, and uh, Jamie Milam. He was a defenseman for the Devils. Yeah, Nor- Northern Michigan Wildcat. Yeah. He, I think he came a bit a bit late to the team. I'm not sure what happened there, but um, and then I'm, I think he was, I think he was released partly into the season. Um, at which point Paul Bissonnette came in. I know you had you had uh, Blighter on the show, didn't you? And he was kind of talking about the, uh, the recruitment process there. Oh the, yeah, the first night. But um, yeah, that was obviously like at the time I was just like a deer in headlines like oh my god I'm living with Paul Bissonnette because he was such a big personality then and he still is now but and he was in the NHL at that point right and you're just a young Brit living with him yeah I know I was kind of just like you'd ask I'd like drive around town and stuff in my uh my 1998 Ford Focus (laughs) (laughs) 
he was probably just like I don't know, I don't know what he thought at the time, but yeah, it was it was fun. And just seeing him, he, like he was obviously talking about the professionalism and all that kind of stuff. He kind of brought that to another level, even though he kind of has a persona of like a uh, what do you call it? like a, he's obviously like a jokester and all that kind of stuff, like always messing around. But he was um he still took it really seriously, always like stretching or foam rolling all that kind of stuff. And when it yeah. came down to game time, he was he was a gamer, right? Oh yeah, I think. I think he surprised a lot of people. Be like, he was, he was over a point a game. Might have been over two points a game. I'm not sure exactly, but yeah. When I played yeah. against him in the coast, he was really good. I've talked about that. But um, so Deeds, he signed in uh, Italy again. He just got there too, so he's going to come on and talk about that experience this year too. I think. Yeah, that's good. He's still going. He got his passport in Italy, so he's probably going to. Um, he can play till he's about. Imagine. He can play till he's about seventy-five if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was a he's a he's a great guy. It was um, I enjoyed his episode a lot actually. Yeah, he seems like a great dude. I had never met him, and that's what I like so much about this: is meeting new dudes, and then you ask around the hockey world. It's not it doesn't take long to figure out who the beauties are, and uh, everybody raves about him. But uh, the other guys you would have uh, hung out with, who were also Potters, are uh, the George brothers. Yeah, you're still hanging out with them, though, eh? Yeah, we um we actually played golf together in the summer, which was good fun. They they showed up with a. Uh, they brought their own cooler full of beer and they had the speaker going. So we're like we're driving around the golf course, <laughs> drinking beers. They got like music playing, like we're in Ibiza or something. It was uh That was this year's golf tournament? Oh, it was just me and me and the George brothers playing golf with uh with Steve's girlfriend. Oh, okay. Just the four of us, but it felt like I was on uh felt like I was on holiday somewhere because the sun was shining. We had the beers going, had music playing as we good driving around. It was a yeah, it was a great time. Oh, there's nothing better than getting music playing, playing golf on a nice day with some dandies. Yeah. I miss getting to do that as much as I used to. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been meaning to play golf more, but I, that was, uh, I played once with them and once with my dad that Sunday summer and that was it, unfortunately, but yeah, um, they're, they're a hoot, as you would say. They are the best. They are so fun and I'm jealous. You still get to see them all the time. Um, yeah, they can sure turn a night around. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so that year, I don't know if you guys are any good, which year is it? No, it's before you get there when they break like the Guinness book of world records, like from all the wins in a row or whatever. You're not on that. Yeah. Team. That was a year before I got there. Gotcha. Okay. So moving on, in, didn't you had fun living with deeds and biz. I don't think you guys were that good that year. Um, then the next year is the third year you're on the Devils, which is kind of the last year for that era. And I, from what I heard, there were guys like not getting paid, guys like playing with broken sticks, right? Yeah, I think to be fair, I I always got paid everything I was owed, so I can't really uh, can't really fault them personally. Um, but obviously, I think if you look at the Elite Prospects page, you can see the turnover of players we had. I think we had went through like eight goalies or something that year. <laughs> Um, there are a lot of changes and that kind of stuff and then um, I think we ended up finishing ninth that year so we didn't even make playoffs so yeah it's definitely a low point in terms of uh, in terms of the career yeah well you know what those things can happen when you know it's not the right people in charge and whatever sometimes you have yeah. tough years it's not fun when you lose though man it changes your whole life doesn't it like days just aren't as fun when you're in ninth place yeah, exactly. Like every day you go to the rink and it's 
you know, it's just like a lot more pressure on, on everyone, isn't there, when you're not doing well and like that kind of stuff. So, it, like, yeah, you, you can feel it on your shoulders. You feel it the way you skate around in practice. And then when you're, when you're on a heater and everybody's skating around, laughing, having fun, hooting and hollering, bantering on the ice, and then, you know, yeah. something funny will happen at practice and all the boys get laughing. And those are the fun days that I miss, not the losing days yeah. when you show up. Yeah, definitely. It's um, like you say, winning makes everything easier. I think everyone puts everyone in a better mood and just takes a lot of the pressure off. Um, so then after that year is, I guess that's when we we meet each other the next year, and that's when uh, Toddy and uh, the the new owners and Lordo takes over, right? Yeah, yeah. Lordo, Lordo was there the year before. I think he was uh, just a player then. He did his. I think, I think he was doing his MBA then as well, maybe. I'm not too sure. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Remember, he was living with uh, Jake Morissette and Brad Plumpton in like in like the heart of Grangetown. Grangetown, <laughs> nice spot. Yeah. So uh, that was interesting. So I think we, we went around there once before uh, for like a team get-together. And it was, I think there was like a few fights happening on a bus stop nearby and police cars. <laughs> It was an interesting spot, but pretty close to town. So I guess it wasn't all bad for them. Yeah. Well, it's interesting being on a team for 10 years. Eh? So you, you were playing with guys that then become your coach and all that. And uh, now it's a whole bunch of new boys. Eh? It's just interesting. The yeah. hockey world, it just keeps on happening even as we get older. Yeah. It was um, a few, a few people stuck around. I think, uh, I think Marshy was there. The year yeah. before, so he stayed. He was around. Mo, Jake Morissette, Lord, I myself. Um, obviously, Richie's always there. Obviously, yeah, obviously Richie, and then yeah, a lot of new faces. That's when when yourself, Bouncy, Hendo, Dougie. It was a uh, Carl. <laughs> yeah, Carl. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, the new era began. We had a. Uh, like an unbelievable group of guys considering how how quickly the team was put together and um yeah i think that year was probably one of the most fun there was no pressure on us and um i think yeah, we just exceeded all expectations really didn't we yeah we did and uh the no pressure definitely makes it fun right when you yeah like we did that year we had we didn't have that good of a start i i was so confused at the start of that year because i felt like we were winning most of our games and I remember a practice Lordo just going Looney Tunes about us being in seventh place. And I was like, how's that? Like what? And then I realized <laughs> that the challenge cup games meant nothing to oh, do yeah. with the league. And we were winning the challenge cup games and not the league games at the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember that one actually. That, um, that episode, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I think we turned it around eventually, didn't we? And we sure did. Probably we, could- that was a heater. <laughs> We probably could have went on to win the league potentially if it wasn't for the uh, the midweek collapse we had after winning the Challenge Cup. Uh, people keep saying that that's only one game though. We played a lot of other games. Yeah. Um, true, I, yeah. I think yeah. if the season would have been ten games longer, we like our trajectory after the start we had. Like we weren't losing games the last couple months, like ever. Yeah, <laughs> but we yeah, just ran out of time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even still, to get the Challenge Cup, I think the um, you can see how much it meant to the fans. It was the, the amount of fans that are in in Sheffield Arena was crazy, and 
just a celebration afterwards. You kind of saw how much it meant. It had been so long without a trophy. And then the year before being probably the lowest point they could remember as well in the recent memory. So, yeah, I think that was probably one of the most special uh, trophies that we've won or I've won since being with Cardiff, definitely. Uh, it was it was one of the, mo- the most special ones I ever won too, just because I was near the end and, you know, you're going to a team that wasn't expecting to do much and you, you want to win one last time. And then when we did, it was pretty cool. Um, okay, moving on though, is that is the first year you make GB the men's team in the world championship. So how do you find out? And like, that's a pretty big moment, eh, to make the men's GB team as a Brit. Yeah, definitely. It's something I was um, aiming towards since, especially since I came back to the UK. Um, was Didn't really get us luck in the first few years and made it that first year that the uh, new owners were involved. Um, I can't really remember how I signed up, to be honest. It's a good question. But um, yeah, it was that was a great experience. We went away to Eindhoven. Eindhoven and, uh, is Netherlands. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that was a good, we, to be honest, we really could have won gold there. We, um, I'm trying to think what happened. I think. Did you guys blow Curry. up the last game against like a team you were supposed to beat? I think mm. I watched it on TV, right? My yeah, thesis. So I think <laughs> we needed Korea to lose. I think they ended up, I think they like ran the other team's goalie. They ended up scoring other goals to win. So then we had to win our last game. And yeah, I think they, I think they scored like in the last half of the last period at some point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched that game. We don't need to talk about it. So you got a silver medal though, but you you got to play in the world championships. That's really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was um, obviously a big milestone in my career. And I think that's, I remember since growing up, me and my coach in Chelsea, he kind of put together like a 10 year plan and one of the like, the final goals was to play for the men's team. So it was, um, I think, yeah, definitely something I look back on and always remember. Um, okay. Actually, I had something else written down. Um, is, uh, I think it was that year or the next year. We'll bundle them together. But um, when there's some big boys in that league and now you're, you're, you've been in the league now, I guess, four, five years. You're like mid-20s now, I guess. And um, yeah. you start fighting some of the big boys, eh? Yeah, kind of. Um, I guess probably just following Hendo's lead, really. Um, who? So yeah, are, didn't uh, you fight Westgarth? Who else have you knocked around? No, I, I didn't fight Westgarth. I, um, I think who? There's a defenseman from Coventry, Mike Egner, I think. Okay. I, I had a fight with him. Um, it was Marshy that fart fought Westgarth, I think. Yeah. I remember that team though, man. Like we had like when you bring a team together and we talk about that season, like you, Hendo, there was Mitch and Marshy, like there were Lordo. There were so many guys willing to fight for each other. Dougie. Um, like it was even Hoth would fight. Like it was crazy yeah. how much of a team we were, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that kind of closeness is definitely something that helped us uh, win as many games as we did and I think when you combine the team we had with uh, the 10 it was kind of like the perfect storm for like the style of hockey we played and I think the fans probably loved it because you're a big team in a small rink so it was just 
carnage, really. I'm sure teams probably hated playing there. It was hilarious. Sometimes we would get yeah. a couple shifts in there, and yeah, we, you got you guys would just be rotted guys, and the fans would be going absolutely nuts. Yeah, it was fun. And times. and they'll be dropping hit checks. Yeah, just dropping that big old caboose on people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, just oh, I'm starting to wake up, that. guys. I'm getting funnier. The sun's up now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's testing yeah, yourself, it Josh. Was... But yeah, it was a, a fun year, definitely. So you, don't, you, there's no other big names you fought like that were like NHL guys. I felt like you fought a couple of them, but maybe I'm. Um, the one I fought Keith twice. I'm not sure what year that was. Um, that doesn't sound fun up... at all. Oh, I just try and make him as short as possible. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Boris Valadek, was that when you were in, in college? Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a big defenseman, that, yeah. Yeah, that didn't go too well for me. He's a giant of a man. But, um, yeah, I think I was probably a bit too bit too confident going into that one. Really? Uh, I, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be confident fighting him. No. I think we fought twice, actually. So I think the first one went okay, and then the second one, he was probably like, Okay, I'm not letting that happen again. Uh, so, do you, are you still throw thro- chucking knuckles? Uh, not as much now, really. I think there haven't been as many fights in general in the league the last few years. But um, this year looks a bit different. It's like there's quite a few um, characters, and I don't want to say enforcers because that's not really the kind of player that exists anymore. But um, a few tougher guys in the league. So you never know. I mean, we obviously got Mark Lewis as well. He uh, usually takes care of all the heavyweights. I was going to – he was a name I actually had written down because he was the guy that, uh, like, his uh, punch this last year and during the pandemic went viral. And I think he was playing in, like, Hungary when he knocked that poor kid out. Uh, Slovakia he was playing last year. My yeah. goodness, that guy hit the ice. I feel bad for that kid, but, like, you got to yeah. know what you're getting into, man. Like, Yeah, I don't think he knew what it was – I don't think he knew what he was on the, you know, um, who he was facing there. And no. the uh, linesman did like a running screen for him as well, didn't he? He did. He skated right through <laughs> to try and like he he did just have the guy distracted for a second, and but like that kid looked like a deer in headlights, and he did not look prepared at all. Yeah, no, I don't think. Um, I think Lou would be top of my list of people not to fight. <laughs> well, yeah, yep. It didn't look like I wanted to fight him based on that either. Yeah. No. Okay, uh, I'm trying to think of what else I uh, I got written down for that one. Um, yeah, so then that next year was when I guess I'm hurt, and then you had to – I went through my dark period and, you know, did a lot of pregame speeches for you. Did I ever fire you up for the games? Did it ever work? Yeah, every time. How could it not? I, I don't know. You know, I was doing the best I could yeah. to help. The one, the one I always remember, I was thinking about it um... – Yesterday, I was thinking about what we would talk about was the one in Manchester. Yeah, I know that I think, one. Obviously, I don't find, I'm sure people don't know, but Manchester's away dressing room is the ceiling's probably, I'm like six foot four, the ceiling's probably like six foot five. So it's like pretty cramped in there, freezing cold, like everything's damp, like there's like mold in parts of the ceiling and stuff. Um, and then the toilet is obviously the same, never really flushes. And I think. It's not a nice come, toilet. No, we came in after warm-up. I'm like, we're trying to go in the toilet. It's like, oh, it's weird. It's locked. It, it wasn't before warm-up. What's going on here? 
And well, then, that's when the glass broke too, right? That was that yeah. was that was in the middle of warm. You guys went back out again. Yeah, yeah. So that's what they're going. I couldn't remember what it was, but I knew we were delayed. So you ended up probably being in there for like over an hour. Like, yeah, in like this tiny, damp, freezing cold toilet, covered in dirt. Where... <laughs> yeah, decent rubbed um, dirt all over me to make it more authentic. I was a Viking that night. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Um, I think there's probably a video of that somewhere, but um, I think that'll have to stay in a private collection. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, those were just for the room. No phones in the locker rooms, right? Yeah, no. I think obviously the you, you career was pretty much ended. Then, and all the boys appreciated you were doing what you could to uh, to get us fired up before the game. Yeah, well, you got to do what you can to help, right? When you can't play. At least I still felt like I was a yeah. part of it. It was. Before I was doing that, and I like when I didn't have it, like I just go watch the games, man. It was so dark. I was so out of it. I didn't know. Yeah. And then you got little kids at home. Your hockey career is over, but you're living in Cardiff, still trying to be part of a team you can't play for. It yeah. was, it was a strange year. Yeah. I can imagine. I know, like, even with this past year of lockdown and stuff, not having hockey kind of. I think you could sort of, it's easy to take for granted when, when you're kind of in the mix of it. And then um, I'm sure it's similar to you. Like when you're injured, it's taken away. And then like with COVID, it was taken away as well. I think you kind of realize how much it means to you, how much it means like being on a team and having that, having that connection with all your teammates and stuff. So um, uh, it's, yeah, it, I can imagine that was really hard. It's like that for every player though, right? Like all the after hours yeah. talks I've had on here. There's some people we bring it up on the podcast, the transition period, but there's been quite a bit of talk after the show of the struggles guys go through. And uh, yeah, it's not being part of a team, right? You've done it your whole life. That's what you've done. It's who yeah. you are. And then all of a sudden it's just over. Yeah, definitely. I, like I say, I've, I kind of noticed it. I think it took me a while to kind of realize that I was missing it as much as I did. And then you kind of get, go get back to things now and you, uh, you really appreciate it, especially after. Well, now with this po positive test, right. And now you're sitting at home watching them win the, this big game and you're not a part yeah. of it. That must've ate you up. Yeah, it was a, uh, that was a tough one. Definitely. But, um, at least I know, like I'll, I'll be back there soon, but, um, yeah, I think like, especially in lockdown, you know, working from home, not really seeing anyone all day. And then, not being able to do anything at night, I think it was. Uh, I'm sure it was the same for a lot of people. It kind of takes a toll, but um, well, yeah, you start think... a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, we we got a dog, luckily, so we had dog walks to keep us busy and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think it is. Did you guys get know. married yet? No, we were meant to get married this year, but um, obviously, that's what I thought. I think with the restrictions and everything we we probably could have but it would have been a really small ceremony like maybe 10 10 or 15 people so uh we did we postponed until next year yeah okay um so well we try and do it properly yeah that makes sense you may as well do it right um yeah okay so then uh here's a a question since you've been on the same team for 10 years i played pro for 10 years and i was on all one-year deals what have your negotiations been like with Cardiff? Is it mainly been one year deals? Have you had longer? Like, how's it gone for you? So my first year was a one year deal. I think then I might have signed. I think my second contract was a three year. 
So once well, you've proven three, yourself yeah. and that you're good Brit in the league, then you got a three-year deal. Yeah, and then after that, it was mostly one-year deals. I think there may have been there may have been a two-year deal, like in the early part of the new ownership group, but um, like the last last few seasons, it's all been one-year deals. Yeah. I was just curious if the Brits had it any different than yeah. the rest of us. I was all one year deals. It can get stressful, you know? Yeah. I think they, I think they want to keep you on your toes, you know, they don't want people to, uh, Fat and lazy. Yeah. I think, uh, I know like in, a, in, in the NHL, you see some players have like, it'll be a contract year and they'll start having a, a ridiculous year, won't they? So maybe they're trying to have that every year. Right. Yeah. I, I, it was a contract year every year for me. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. And you produced, so it worked. I guess so. Yeah. But <laughs> anyways, the, the next year when I'm hurt and doing the pregame speeches though, that that's the second year in a row you make team GBA. Eh? So where'd you go the second year? It was the second year. Um, I think that was, um, you guys we, lost again and you can't finish second. I think that, there was yeah. a story Croatia? behind that too. Yeah, I'm not sure. You're the one living it, not me, man. Oh, yeah, I know, but I'm, my brain isn't as good as it used to be. Probably too many hits to the head. <laughs> you got to stop um, fighting those people we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or start fight, fighting them smarter. Um, yeah, I think that was Croatia, I believe, in uh, Zagreb. And again, I think we, I think we, I remember we played Italy. Lithuania, who else? Croatia, obviously. I think uh, we, um, I think we lost against Ukraine, I believe. The last game, right? To not move up. Yeah, move up. yeah. I think again, we were. I think we might have scored the first goal or two, and I remember they, I think they tied it up, and then we were kind of like on our heels the rest of the game, and we were just absorbing like attack after attack, and eventually they. Um, they got got the winning goal by us, and yeah, it was again two years in a row we could have got promoted, but uh, had to settle for silver, which was a yeah. shame. Well, it, it is, it is, but they we the guys got it done there. I think it was the year after, right? Um, yeah, when I didn't make the team, they started winning gold medals. <laughs> so, how does that work for making the team? Is it just based on how you play that year in the EIHL, or is there actual like tryouts? Um, they do, so they, they pick the team just based on how you play, and then you, there is usually like a two-week training camp, and I think after after the first week, or you play a couple of games, exhibition games, and then they usually make the cuts based off that. Um, but this this year, they just picked the team straight up because there was obviously um, there wasn't much hockey restrictions. Yeah, yeah. So I think they just wanted to get the team, get the team there, and keep it at that. Um, cause yeah, I saw you made the team in 1920. So is that during the pandemic you played in the Olympic qualifiers? So that was, yeah, that was, that was the year the, uh, the season got shut down. Okay. The, the, the Olympic qualifiers were before the season finished, I believe. I'm not sure if it was January, February, potentially. How'd you guys do in that? Um, we, we had to be, um, hungry to get through to the next round and we lost to them i think i don't think it was very close i think they kind of so then you guys that's then it, you won't be in the olympics is what you're saying no so we would have to win that group and then 
go through to the next round, which I think was in Norway potentially. Okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, that didn't happen. That was obviously that was in Nottingham as well that year. Um, so it was kind of stacked in our favour, but Hungary just got one over us on us in that um, in that game, unfortunately. Okay. Well, um, I I don't have too much other than still shooting the breeze because you played for the same team your whole career, but um, you won two league titles and two playoff championships. So um, which one, like, is there any good celebration stories we need to hear, like winning a playoff or a league that were fun, fun nights? Yeah. The, the thing that immediately comes to mind was uh, after we won the playoffs the second year, the first year we won, we kind of did the on ice celebration and like had a, had the celebration in the changing room um, and then got on the bus and went home. Whereas the second year, there's there's a bar outside from the rink in Nottingham in like the plaza area. I can't remember what it's called, but um, all the fans are in there. So we uh, we kind of finished our celebration in the dressing room and then filled it up there. And um, they like, they had a stage and then we, they were calling us on the stage like one by one as we arrived. and. I remember, I remember I had like had the, uh, the mascot head on and was like dancing on the stage and a mascot head has been through a lot. eh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was doing some, I, I don't know, I think some like Cardi B dances or something like that. So <laughs> the kind of thing you wake up in the morning and think, Oh, what was I doing? But uh, yeah, it was, all, it was all on social media for me to see, which wasn't great for the anxiety, but it was, um, it was good just to like share that with the fans and kind of enjoy it rather than just having to sit on the bus for uh, three hours. But um, yeah, that was definitely a good time. I man, the uh, social media and then like winning stuff like that and the celebrations like it, sometimes it's not good for hockey that social media is out there. You know, it's like when you pick up a flag in the crowd and then you forget like the game's changed. And then as soon as you grab it, there's like a thousand phones on you. You're like, Oh, right. Right. You know? Yeah. That's it. It's uh, it's positives and negatives to social media, but um, yeah, I think you've got to be careful when you're, uh, especially when you're celebrating that you don't get too, too wild. Yeah. So uh, with the new coach, have you started uh, before the positive test? Were you playing D then? Yeah. So I'm playing D this year. Um, That was, we kind of spoke about in the summer. I think that's kind of, I think me and me and Todd spoke and, we both agreed that's probably my best chance of making GB is as a defenseman. Um, and the, uh, the way they put the roster together, I think they wanted to, so we've gone with three British defensemen this year, myself, Richie and uh, Ben O'Connor. Good player too. He's going to, he's going to yeah. come on the pod too, by the way. Yeah. He's a great guy. Um, so yeah, I think with having the, the three of us on D, it kind of opens up another import, import forward spot. So uh, that's kind of the, the way we've gone this year so i'm looking forward to it. obviously a lot more responsibility but um hopefully if i play well enough it will give me the best chance to make gb again as a as a defenseman so that's that's the goal yeah for sure so o'connor shoots left richie's right they don't do they play together or are they each playing with an import are you each playing with an import yeah so the the parents we were going with um prior to my isolation was myself with mark lewis and then um, Richie was with um, Matt Register. Okay. 
and then Ben O'Connor's with Brendan Nicholson. Yeah, you guys have solid team, eh? I know a few of those names. Yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, like Matt Register, he was a um, I think he's won ECHL Defenseman of the Year a couple of times, like been on the All Star team, um, and then Nicholson played in the NHL. Um, got a few NHL games under his belt. For Calgary, I think as well, which the owners are a big fan of. Right. Yeah. Or he's from there or something. I don't know who he yeah, plays. Yeah, he is from there as well, I think. Yeah, no, it, uh, it, I'm excited to see how you guys do this year. Um, to be honest, I wish I knew more guys on the team. Um, there's not many guys left that I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, if you have another Wally night, you'll get to know him pretty quickly. <laughs> Well, I don't think it's a Wally night that I want to come over for. Um, I, we already had that. Um, so what does happen in the UK when your 10th season? Do you know? Have you heard of these things? I think they're called testimonials. Have you heard of those? Because you're in your 10th season. Hey, I think it's like a memorial or something. No, I think it's like a celebration for all your hard work and dedication to the team, I think. I know yeah, Todd, I think that- Todd threw one for himself in Belfast. Yeah, I did hear that, actually. <laughs> he got one over on the uh, owners at the time, didn't he, or something? Yeah, so uh, has there been any talk about that? Yeah, there has. The only um, the tricky thing was that last season, well, the last season we had in Cardiff, so 1920, that was Myers' testimonial. Um, obviously, because the season finished when it did in March, he didn't get to have his testimonial game. Yeah. Um. So Todd basically said that we can't have two testimonials running at the same time. So we, I'm going to have to do, after Myers, I think he's going to have his testimonial game next summer or next spring, whenever. Um, um, I just saw then, on social media what Myers put out there after, uh, I guess, not coming to terms with Cardiff. He just did this like yesterday, put up a yeah, video so of, of him talking to the fans and saying goodbye. Like, what a classy dude. Um, there's not a lot of people that um, I guess would do that, come on and be as classy as he was and exit the way he is um, after not getting a deal. I'm sure he wanted more than anything to stay there. It's his home. Um, but the way he said that, the way he spoke, um, the guy's just a pure pro and just all class, eh? Yeah, definitely. It was definitely the um, very classy thing that he did. Um, I think he just accepts that, you know, like at the end of the day, it's it's not personal. It's just kind of the way that the coach wanted to go with the team this year. And there's uh, there was a reduction to the roster size as well. So perhaps he was a, a victim of that. But yeah, I think he kind of understands that it's just, just business. And uh, obviously unfortunate because I think, like he said in the video, there's nowhere he would rather play than Cardiff. Um, I think he still wants to play, so I'm not sure. I'll have to see what how it plays out if he finds somewhere in um in this league or somewhere in Europe to play or or something. But yeah, be be a shame to see him retire. I don't think he plans on doing that. So um, yeah, hopefully we'll see him playing somewhere somewhere again this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's weird because it's, when this coach, I guess, didn't bring him back or made the decisions. Um, it's funny because after Lordo's first season as the player coach, he let Mizey go too, if people don't remember that. Um, and yeah. and he left and um, 
And for me, the first year I played a lot with Mizey and I had a good year and I didn't realize how important he was to my game and my success until I didn't have him. Um, I needed a guy going to the net. I needed a guy standing in front. I needed a guy that would give me the puck. He did everything I wanted in a centerman and I didn't realize how important he was until he was gone. Um, I hope yeah. that's not the case again this time, but uh, Lord O'Shea uh, wanted him back after one year. So, <laughs> you know, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I, I played with him as well on the on the left wing, but obviously me and you are very different players. So he would probably rather have you back there than me. But um, <laughs> yeah, he does he does all, all those things that um, perhaps don't get all the all the all the adulation and all the credit. But uh, yeah, you know, like good on faceoffs, kills penalties, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then like on the oh, yeah. four check, working in the corners, freeing the puck up for a guy like me, like that's, he, you know, he would get me the yeah. puck. Like, no, it didn't matter if it was in the neutral zone, in the offensive corners, like battling around the net, falling down. He's always getting you the puck, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's always falling down, but. Um, <laughs> May yeah, not look yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I know he'd, he'd get the fans going with um, his PK four checks, you know, disrupting the breakout. And um, just doing what he does best, you know, all, all the little things that um, really, really uh, help the team win. Locker room will probably smell better in the mornings, though, this season, eh? No more mackerel or whatever it was he'd eat in the mornings? Yeah, yeah, that wasn't the best. I think that was probably his biggest downfall. Yeah, maybe that's um, why they didn't have him back was the stinky fish in the morning. Yeah, maybe that was I, I think he's pretty good. He, he wouldn't, wouldn't really have it in the room anymore. I think he'd go outside and have it, but. Yeah, stunk. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it wasn't the best smelling snack in the world. <laughs> wasn't what I was having for pre and post practice <laughs> snack. <laughs> you on the bagel? Bagel with double Nutella. Well, Lordo wouldn't let me have bagels either. <laughs> I was a closet eater. <laughs> <laughs> as long as no one sees you, it doesn't count. <laughs> That's right. Um, well, I guess the other, I guess one thing we never talked about then is you've played for Cardiff your basically your whole career. And then with the pandemic, things have changed. And uh, you uh, did play for the Manchester Storm in that bubble tournament thing, eh? Yeah, I played for Swindon as well before that in um, a couple of little, little tournaments. But um, yeah, that, that, was a, that was a good experience with Manchester. It was, we were living in a hotel in Nottingham for the, for the duration of it so that was what was it like 30 days you're in a hotel yeah maybe more to me. i think it was like five or six weeks and then i was still working part-time then as well so i was kind of like i was we were training i'd go back to the hotel work in like i had a tiny room all the other boys had like nice big rooms mine was tiny for some reason but um yeah that was that was pretty tough from that perspective just being in a room alone most of the day but it was uh, it was good to get back playing to, like, with the elite league hockey, and we had a good good team there as well. A few a few British players I knew from GB, I um, and uh, Zach Solly, who just joined your Devils, I guess to take your spot, eh? <laughs> yeah, I messaged him. I said, "Don't don't play too well, or we'll be uh, Finn might be making a trade request." Yeah, and because um, he was on, I think he was episode fifteen, thirteen. I can't keep track anymore. But he was yeah, on when he was just a Manchester Storm guy. So, folks, I'm not just a Cardiff Devil guy. I'll do all the teams. Don't worry. <laughs> but I like calling yeah, my friends, and that's why I wanted to call Batchy first. I'll get to the other yeah. teams eventually, right? 
Yeah, I think that's, you've got uh, pretty much an unlimited supply of guests for your podcast, which is uh, bodes well for the future, doesn't it? Well, honestly, I remember when I started and I started kind of flooring it, doing a couple of week and people kept saying, why are you doing so many? You're going to run out of guys. And I'm like, well, like, I love it. I like doing this. I want to catch up with my friends and I want to meet new yeah. people. Like, this is what I like. I like talking hockey. I like hearing stories. I like hearing how it all went for people. And um, like, there's more and more guys. There's an army of guys that will come on and like, the new season you just made a whole bunch of new teammates and i'm sure i could have on a few of them and then there's all the other teams like i think it's like you said that hockey players are a lot of them have the sayings that are kind of like robots and whatever but you get in this platform and we're just shooting the shit and then people can be real right yeah yeah you think i think that's why like spit and chicklets have had so much success because it's like you don't get the uh you're not getting the company line are you kind of getting to see a different side of people rather than like a 30 second clip you can kind of get to know them better and i think i know um when i reposted the the story on instagram i had a, a couple of fans that they were like they were excited just because they they love the podcast so much and um even personally i've enjoyed it like listening to you talk to like all the, our old teammates and stuff it kind of brings back the memories and I yeah, just helps you relive the glory days a little bit. I love it more than you could ever imagine. I woke up at six a.m. to talk. Well, no, I woke up at five thirty today to talk to you, Josh. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. It means a lot. Well, no, yeah, this is also the pilot uh, test here for uh, doing overseas players at this time of day because I don't have that many other hours in the day other than this time of day. So um, I think this has gone all right, but shout out to Bayfield Brewing Company. We'll get back on the uh, ales tonight, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, obviously no no ales for us this morning, just a, a strong coffee. But Well, you know, you're yeah, an active good. player. I'm just trying to keep you in shape, Josh. I'm just trying to keep you uh, in shape through isolation. That's why I scheduled it when we wouldn't be drinking beers. You know, I'm just here for your career. Yeah, no, I'm not sure the um, the new coach and stuff would appreciate me having a beer at eleven o'clock on a a Wednesday morning. <laughs> right, I didn't think my 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 company would probably appreciate me smashing beers at six a.m. So yeah, I think we're making the right decisions. <laughs> yeah, growing responsible adults now, aren't we? Not not like well, you were an adult when I met you, but when you when you, you think me, so, I was, still a kid. I was still a kid back then. You thought I was an adult when you met me, eh? <laughs> you're God. a parent. That makes you an adult. That's You're right, though. It does. You have to fool everybody then. Um, I still don't feel like an adult. Um, but you get everything done you got to do, right? Yeah, so I think um, I, when I turned 30 now, it's kind of hit me like I do need to grow up a bit more. Not, not oh. just a 20-year-old. No, you don't really. You got to enjoy life. I, I don't know. But anyways, well, the reason I wanted to have you on, the reason I got up so early is because of the teammate you were. Um, like, you didn't say a lot in the room, but like what you did on the ice, the way you played, um, you'd stick up for anybody. You'd do anything for the team. You never if you're fourth line, if you're fifth or sixty, you never bitched about anything. You always showed up as a pro ready to play. And that's how you play on the same team for 10 years. And that's how you win stuff. And that's how you stay on the team through different coaches is because 
when the new coaches come in, everybody raves about the teammate you are and the person you are. So keep it up. Way to go. Oh, thanks. That means a lot. It's uh, some very kind words. It's a podcast. It's the only time I'm ever going to be this nice to you. Yeah, I know. I, say, I, don't, I don't think I've ever had a compliment off you before. I usually don't <laughs> give people compliments. <laughs> yeah, you've got to keep people honest, haven't you? Well, you got to chirp people and keep it real, right? you got, you got yeah. to push them. <laughs> That's it. So it's about holding each other accountable and getting better every day and all those all those cliches. There you go. You're you're nailing all the cliches. You're so that guy, Arch, every interview. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm trying to be a finance professional. I've got to keep it. Keep keep a tight ship. Okay. Well, next time uh, we do this, we'll try and plan it for a time where we can have a couple ales and be true to the brand, right? Yeah, well, um, we sort of touched on my testimonial, but um, yeah. obviously it won't be this year, but potentially next year if it goes ahead, obviously you'll come over for that. Oh, gosh. As a Talk guest, dirty guest to me, Josh. Honor. <laughs> Talk dirty to me. <laughs> guest of honor, Brent Walter. Maybe we can do an in-person podcast. Oh, time. yeah. No, seriously, that would be incredible if I got to come over and celebrate your game and your career. That would be really cool. Um, and hopefully uh, Mizey's all happens too, because nobody else deserves it more than him too, right? Yeah, definitely. As a as a local boy, I think um, I think the fans would love to see it happen. I think I think it still will. So we'll see. But um, yeah, it'd be good good to get you over again. It was obviously Wally Night was a big success. So I think <laughs> if we had you over for the testimony, I'm sure the uh, the fans would love it. Oh, I sure would too. I uh, I'd love to come see you boys and uh, and uh, celebrate your career because uh, you're still you're you're only thirty years old, man. You got another ten years left in you, eh? Maybe not ten, but hopefully at least five. We'll see. If, uh, have to start picking up some more of Richie's habits and see what his secrets are. Cause he's kind of, I think he's aging backwards at this point, so. Well, um, I'll never forget the day uh, Lordo had me on the big diet that summer trying to get me to lose weight before the year I got injured. And, um, yeah. you know, I was even fudging some of the numbers to try and make myself look better and more dedicated than I was. And um, I thought I was doing really good. And then he sent me Richie's um, diet and he sent it, I think, to the whole team. Uh, but yeah. he basically, when he sent that to me, I felt so small. I felt just... Uh, like I wasn't a pro um, like he was even cooking with the right oils um, for, and for the fattinesses and the, yeah. it, the diet was outrageous. Yeah. He, um, he doesn't really, I don't think he leaves any stone unturned in like terms of supplements, um, cool downs, warm ups. you know, it really does everything to look after him. I think that's, that's how you keep playing, right? I was all natural, no yeah. cool downs, no warm ups, just soccer. <laughs> all natural, that's it, and two touches. Yeah, maybe I need to mix in a bit more of what Richie does, but um, yeah, I think you're doing uh, fine. I think everybody should be themselves, and I think Richie will probably play till he's fifty. Um, but uh, I think you can make her till you're forty, big guy. Yeah, we'll see. See how the body holds up, but. Um... Yeah, I want to try and play as long as I can, obviously. I'm in no rush to leave. No, don't be. Um, well, speaking of that, I got to work soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to um, get back to work myself, actually. Okay. Well, I wish it, I wish you a lot of success this season. I hope the Devils continue to be the top team. And um, 
hopefully you can uh, get me into the social pipeline with some of the new boys, but uh, I've already been in contact with O'Connor. So I'll get him on for sure. And uh, yeah. we're going to get Matthew Myers on too, and we'll keep this thing rocking for the fans. Um, I'm also going to get yeah. the, the Sheffield captain on here soon. We're in, we're in discussions, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. We got, we got to keep things fresh for the fans over there. Right. Well, he's a, he's a Cardiff boy. That's right. Up, so um, there's some uh, cross cross club appeal there from the Devils fans and from Sheffield. Some cross club contamination, I think it's called. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, well, I better get to work. So uh, thank you for coming on. And if you don't have anything for me, I guess that's another episode of Two Ales and Hockey Tales with Batchy and Wally. Some people clap on a one and three. Some people clap on a two and four. Some people don't join at all because they got no rhythm, and that's all right. Some people, they drink too much. Some people don't drink enough. Some people are just like me. I hope y'all forgive them. I'm like Scott from San Diego bands. I'm like Pete Southtown's Zan Zan. I'm always speaking my mind.